I wake up, I make sure that the brothers stay prayed up. Cause I know that punk Lucifer stay up, steady pumping and feeding all my haters, but um What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Man Up, the ministry dedicated to men becoming kings. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only brother Lionel Clark. He's the brains behind this ministry, the one that brought it to fruition. So I'm excited for him to bring the message on the power of one. Open up your hearts and your minds and your souls. Let this word bear fruit in your lives. Uh, Without further ado, here's Lionel Clark. What's going on, everybody? This is Lionel Clark with Man Up Man's Ministry. We are coming to you live from Columbia, Missouri. Uh, had my man uh, Norris Rice uh, on the call as well from Lexington, Kentucky. And we are just going to go ahead and get into tonight's uh, teaching called the success of a kingdom family. I'll go ahead and get into it in just a bit. All right, Lord Father God, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, thanking you for bringing us together one more time. We thank you for who this podcast can reach, who can uh, receive the mighty word from you. Lord Father God, I just ask that each and every person that hears this, hears you, not me. And Lord, Father God, teach us, Father God, how to just expand on the power of one and have unity in our marriages and in our family so that we can do more and do greater and do everything you have called us to to do. And we just thank you for the teachings that we're going to receive tonight and Every time we get together and that way we can apply these things into our everyday lives in Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, Tonight we're talking about the success of a kingdom family, Uh, the success of a kingdom family. Uh, You know, while I was studying this, I went ahead and looked up um, uh, some statistics Did you know that statistics state that 50% of all marriages in the United States end in divorce? But did you also know that the Christian divorce rate is also at 50%? So my question that comes to mind is why in the Christian marriages are we divorcing at the same rate as the world when we are supposed to be separated from the world? You know, why are we divorcing so much? If we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, we have brothers and sisters in Christ in our lives, and uh, we have all these things, but we can't make it. We don't work on our marriages after we get married, do we? You know, there's a lot of times that once we get married, we stop. We look at marriages almost as a goal to reach, right? That's one thing that that's a goal in life. Even if you're not saved, if you're not in the uh, in that you are in the world, you know, women are always looking uh, to get married. They're looking for that one. 
us as men do the same thing. We we want to get booed up. <laughs> uh, we want to get married and and. And sometimes we look at that as the finish line, like we've won the championship. And I'm hoping that everybody does feel that way. You know, there might be some some men out there that are like, man, I don't know what I did. And now I wish I could get back out. <laughs> uh, I hope that's not the case. Uh, but, uh, you know. The Bible does say that he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. So if we find such a good thing, find such a treasure, why are we divorcing? And so, you know, I started thinking about this from a sports analogy. Like all sports championships, when you win, you can't give up on perfecting your craft or you'll see yourself as a one-hit wonder, a one-and-done. You know, just this morning I was uh, looking at ESPN and uh, they were uh, had an art news, uh, yeah, an article about Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings, and Brandon Jennings uh, was uh, somebody that people were just looking forward to seeing coming outside of high school basketball and into the pros, but. Have you seen him even get to a championship while he's been in the pros? No. Is that all his fault? No. But is he doing the things that he needs to do to get there? Is he making the the right relationships to get there? Is he uh, working on the things uh, in his game to get there? I don't know these answers, but these are just things that you have to think about. And we just have to we have to do what we need to do to win at this at this game called marriage. You know, then I started asking the question. Are we males in the house or are we men in the house? You know, God created Adam and God created Adam first and Adam was alone. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not believe God makes mistakes. But he has a precision to him that he uh, created men first for a reason. He created Adam before he created Eve. And I believe that's because he wanted Adam to first establish himself in the kingdom that God put him in. Because if you remember, Adam was put in the Garden of Eden, a paradise, a place of paradise that had everything that he could ever need or want. But then God created Eve out of his rib and then they became one. You know, see, a lot of us miss that first step. You know, we don't actually get to that kingdom man perspective until after we get married if we make that decision then. You know, we rush into marriage because of a lust of our flesh or that we believe we're in love. And this is all done way before we get to that kingdom man experience that God called us to be. Remember, a kingdom man is a man who is a male that has learned to live his life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, how many of us got to the point in our manhood? 
How many of us became actually actual men when we got married? I can tell you, for me, that was not the case. You know, I did not uh, really fully understand what it meant to be a kingdom man. Yes, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior, that he died for my sins. He rose again with all power, but I did not understand that I had that same power and did not bring that into my marriage. You know, since many of us did not get to that point in our manhood, we find ourselves with issues and problems in our marriage. We're just the males in the house and not the men of the house. We're not the ma- we're the males of the house, but not the men of the house. You know, we use that term a lot that we're the men of the house, but do we really think that we are? You know, while I was studying this, I asked myself a question. Do we have so many issues with our marriage because we haven't become the man that God called us to before we got married? And is God searching for a man to stand in the gap like he did in the book of Ezekiel? He was standing for a man. He he was looking for a man to stand in the gap. Not a male, but a man. So in today's world with our uh, divorce rate at 50%, is I believe God is looking for men to be in the house, to stand in the gap for their families. What does it take to have a successful marriage? Well, before we understand what it takes to have a successful marriage, we first have to understand what marriage is. Is marriage just a contract? Is it just a legal paper that we give to the government to let them know that we're married? Or is it a covenant, something that we do in front of the eyes of God? Dr. Tony Evans says this so awesome. Marriage is a covenant union by God to increase the capacity of both partners to carry out their divine purpose for advancing God's kingdom. I'm going to say that again. Marriage is a covenant union by God to increase the capacity of both partners, the male and the female, the husband and the wife, to carry out their divine purpose for advancing God's kingdom. You know, the scripture says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. Now, I heard this from my pastor and it made perfect sense that gates are stationary. They don't move. You know, a lot of people believe that the gates are attacking us. The gates of hell are attacking us. But let's let's change that perspective. If the if you're talking about the gates of hell, that means that they are stationary and that it's us that should be advancing God's kingdom toward the gates of hell and tearing them down and taking over the kingdom of hell. Then we read in Malachi 2, 
verses 13 and 14. It says, And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with groaning because he, the Father, no longer regards the offering or accepts your offering with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he, the Father, not? The Lord was witness between you and your wife of your youth, that covenant, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. So this scripture says, why should the Father accept your offerings should give you favor, should be faithful to you if you're not faithful to your wife whom you made a covenant before the Lord. You know, a covenant is a spiritual binding relationship made between God and his people. So when we get married, we create a covenant between uh ourselves and God saying that we will take care of our wife our wives and you know I am in the insurance business and a covenant almost reads like an insurance policy you have agreements you have benefits you have conditions you have exclusions and you have outcomes and just like an insurance policy you have to You can't just read one part of the policy. You have to read the whole thing through to see if something is covered and then make sure that it's not taken out later on. That's the same thing for the Word of God. We have to, and this I'm going to piggyback off of what uh, my pastor preached on yesterday. We have to piggyback on the embracing the whole Word of God, not just not just the good things. But we have to truly understand everything within the word. There are certain things that we have to do as men to keep winning at our marriage. You know, a lot of us believe that a successful marriage is like you can see that successful marriage. But just like an iceberg, you don't really see everything. There's only a portion of it. That you see above water. There's so much below the water. Below the surface. That you don't see. That that makes a successful marriage. You know. That's what I believed when I first got married. I believed that this was going to be easy. <laughs> we were in love. Uh, that you know. I found a woman that I knew. I could take care of. And that she would take care of me. And everything was going to be awesome. But I didn't understand how much work, how much stuff underneath the surface I would have to do. I didn't have men in my life that really explained those things to me. So I'm going to do that to you. (laughs) I'm going to do that for you. And I believe that if you follow these steps, you can have a successful marriage. There's five steps. Well, actually six, but there's five that you really need to focus on. One, intentionally date your wife. 
Pursue your wife. Continue to pursue her the, the way you did when you were dating. Don't get caught up on thinking that now that you're married, she's supposed to wait on you hand and foot. <laughs> but go back to chasing her. Go back to spoiling her. Go back to buying her things. You know, go back to buying her the hot tamales, the the the, the red hots. <laughs> go back to buying her the flowers. Go back to taking her to the movies. Go back to taking her to the fine restaurants, the ones that you couldn't even afford, but you try to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, because those are the the intimate and and great things that she fell in love with. Now, when I'm talking about these steps, I know that there's there's things that our wives can do for us, but let's let's think about what we can do for our for our wives. You know, uh Norris told uh said this earlier. He said that when he grew up, he was told that uh to be a man, you have to accept responsibility. So, us as men have to first accept the responsibility the responsibility to get with our wives and intentionally date them and whatever it takes, just like what we were when it, when we were dating, whatever it took to get that hand of marriage, whatever it took to try to get in those, in, in, in into those pants. Now I'm going to be real. There was, there's a lot of us that was just trying to get into those pants and we, we pursued hard, but now that we're married, we feel like we've won the championship. Number two, get engaged. Engage your wife again. Get engaged with your wife. And what I mean by that, let's let's understand the definition of engage. It means to occupy, attract, or involve. So engage with your wife. Attract her into your arms. Attract her into your spirit. Involve her in the, your life. Get involved into her life. You know, a lot of times we want to leave work at work. But how many of us really need to, to get involved and make sure that our wives are being taken care of even when they're out of our presence? You know, we have to plan on fully engaging our wives. When you are engaged, you are seeking after your potential wife. When you're dating and you get engaged, you're seeking after your potential wife. Oh, but what I want you to do tonight is I want you to get engaged with your wife and seek after your life partner. Number three, get married again. And what I mean by that is when you get married, the word says you become one, right? When Adam and Eve came together, they became one. And so when we get married, we become one flesh, right? We become one flesh. And, and what I mean by that, especially after years after years, you start understanding uh, your your wives' habits. You you start understanding uh, what they need, what they like, what they do when they first wake up, what they do when they first get out the shower, what they do uh, when they're ready to eat breakfast, uh, uh, what they do, uh, the route that they take to get to work, 
the route that they take to get back, the route that they take to pick up the kids, all these things. That's being one flesh. You're in unison. But how many of us are in unison spiritually? How many of us have are, are one with our wives spiritually? And that's what God wants us to be. We talked about the power of one for the last couple of weeks. And this is where God wants us to be. He wants us to be one flesh, one spirit. And I take that back. Not one flesh, one body and one spirit. He wants us to get together and attack the gates of hell. How do we do this? We do it by praying together. We do it by eating together. Like, what do you mean, like, eating together? Like, what's what's so powerful about that? Well, I can tell you, Jesus said, break bread together, right? He had the disciples break bread amongst the people. They ate together. And they fellowshiped. And, you know, a lot of us in the church world today will... Uh, will Quote that or think that when it co- when it comes to trying to attract new members or or uh, uh, just want to hang out and and feel like fellowshipping and eating together is is awesome. So if it's so awesome publicly, why why do we not do that as much in our own homes? You know, uh, the scripture also talks about uh, uh, eating at the table, eating at the table. And and so we have to we have to get to that point where we want to eat together, grow together, be together and enjoy together. Third thing underneath being married is make decisions together. Make decisions together. Because. One thing is, if you're in one spirit, that means you have a brighter eye, a wider eye, spiritual eye, to see the things that you need to see to be successful. There's some things that I may want to do uh, uh, because I feel like it's good but my wife may have a discernment that I have not even picked up on. And she and if I don't get her involved in the decision making, oh, man, it can cause some chaos. She could stop us from from going down a way that we're not supposed to go. So make decisions together with your wives. Number four, love, love. And you may be asking, like, you know, why do we put love after marriage? And I got this from a pastor. Uh, He said he said that, uh, you know, we don't truly understand love until after we get married. And it's so right. It's so right. Because. We don't understand what love actually is. We believe love is a feeling. We believe love is is just uh, finding somebody that that we enjoy spending time with, right? But let's go back 
uh, to what love means, and we're going to take it from the scripture. Out of 1 Corinthians 13, it describes what love is, and I believe there's nine different ones. Nine different fruits of love. It says, love is patient, love is kind. Love is patient. <laughs> How many of us as men have to be patient with our wives? We have to be patient uh, when they go shopping. <laughs> we have to be patient when uh, when Sister Flo comes. We have to be patient at all times. You know, love is uh, does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. You know, I can tell you that's something that I have to uh, work on at times is being patient. And that rudeness kind of go hand in hand. When I lose my patience, I can cut sometimes come off rude. And so uh, I have to remember what love really means. Love does not insist or uh, try to do its own thing. It's not selfish. It's not irritable or resentful. You know, when we, before we get married... Uh, you know, if we, if, if we get in an argument with our girlfriend or, uh, or whatever, we, we could, we could, uh, you know, back away. We can not pick up the phone when they call. We can just do everything through text messages or, or things like that. But when you're married, you have two, you have one decision to make or two, two decisions to make. You can either. You can either uh, walk away and be resentful about what you believe your your wife did to you or or did you wrong, or you have or you have to turn to them and make everything okay. Love also bears all. Love also believes all. Love hopes all and love endures all. And if you look at those statistics that we talked about earlier, 50% of the Christian marriages end in divorce. So if love endures all, are we truly in love with our spouse? Now, I don't know about you, but unless you go through some mess during dating or engagement, you probably haven't really experienced what love is. <laughs> Think about it. When you get married, you have to sacrifice and give up a lot. You have to give up the last chicken wing. <laughs> you have to give up the, the last uh, sip of Kool-Aid, iced tea, sweet tea. You have to let them take all the hot water before you get in the shower. You have to let them pull the covers off of you while you're uh, while you're sleeping. Take take your your biggest fluffiest pillow. You may even have to uh, take a cold shower uh, when their friend comes to visit in in the middle of the month. You know you really don't know what you're doing. You don't really know that you're in love until you are actually married. The ones that break off marriage the first time sometimes have issues with understanding what love is. 
do we really understand what love is? You know, the scripture says, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Well, I can tell you, Christ had to give up a whole lot for us before we realized how much he loved us. So how much are we willing to sacrifice to show our wives that we truly love them? How much did we love God before we accepted him as our Lord and Savior? Were you faithful to him before you made a covenant to him? Or was it until after? Did you keep his commandments before you made a covenant with him? Or was it after? We didn't learn to love God until after we made a covenant with him. That's when we learned to be faithful. Why? Because he first exemplified what love was by sending his only begotten son down to die for us sinful, dirty men. So that's what we have to do in our marriages is we have to give up and sacrifice things even when we don't deserve it oh my god that hits me we have to give up and sacrifice things even when we don't deserve to that is what true love is and that is what jesus showed us number five be a pastor of your house we have to be the shepherds of our house and lead and guide our family like they're supposed to. We have to be the prophets of our house. We have to share God's visions with our wives. Uh, Mr. Norris said this earlier. We have to have a three, at least a threefold ministry in our house. We have to be the pastor, the prophet, and the priest. We have to be the pastor and lead our, uh, lead and guide our shepherd. I mean, our our, our sheep. We have to. Uh, be uh, a priest and and go before God and we also have to be the prophet by pouring in to our family pouring in to our wives now I'm not saying that our wives can't hear from God directly and I'm going to piggyback off of Norris again he said that uh, the word says that we are the head right and when the anointing, the oil flows from the head down to the feet. And so we have to make sure that we are in the presence of God. So then that way our entire family can be anointed from the head down to our soles of our feet. Now, I don't know about you, but. I do know that the Bible says God made Adam before he made Eve so then they could prepare a place for them to live. I also know that God first spoke with Abraham before he spoke with Sarah. And that and that was before they gave birth to something. I also know that God spoke to Noah about the floods that saved his entire family from dangerous floods. So this lets me know that God wants us to be there, be the first to prepare our place, places to live 
prepare our livelihood, prepare ourselves to birth something into this world, uh, to to prepare to birth something spiritually, to prepare to take care and keep our families safe. We should be the ones that are standing at our posts to receive the word of God. And we have to be at those places for our family to keep going. So those five things can get you to that championship. Now, the question is, how do you get back next year? How do you get back next month? How do you get back next week? How do you even get back tomorrow? You get back there by hitting repeats. Just because you went through the process and you feel like you've done these things right, you have to start all over again. You have to continue to go back and do it all over again. You know, Michael Jordan won how many championships? Six. He won six championships. He didn't quit or think he could keep doing what he was doing to stay on top. No, he knew that his game had it to evolve. He had to continue to work on the things that that uh, maybe he struggled with. Do you know that Michael Jordan's three-point percentage uh, was only 17% his rookie season? 17%. But do you know that when he won his first championship, it went up to 31%? There was a lot of years in between, but he jumped it up to 31% when they won the first championship. And then in 95, I believe that was about three years, uh, uh, three championships later, his career high, he hit his career high at 50%. He went up 19% and won the championship. He continued to grow in areas that he needed, not just for himself, not for his individual stats, but for his team. So that's why we have to hit repeat, just like the old CD players. We don't have to we don't do have to do that anymore with the digital age, but we have to hit the repeat button and find out what areas we need to do to get better. Now, we talked about marriages and how uh, how we can impact our wives, but we all know that that's just one part of a family. We also have to be fathers. We have precious, precious children in our lives that are gifts from God, no matter if they're planned or surprise gifts, <laughs> but when God told us to fill the earth and multiply, I don't believe he d- said to do that just to populate the earth, just to just to be like ants and just just keep spreading. But I believe he wanted us to fill the earth with image bearers. He wanted us to fill the earth with likenesses of him. Now, are we preparing our children to be a reflection of God to the world. 
you know, Saturday mornings, I coach my son's six, seven, and eight-year-old uh, non-competitive basketball team. Now, on this team, I have like three kids <laughs> that uh, are very defiant and somewhat uh, um, disrespectful. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I was trying to prep the team for a play that we've been practicing, uh, something that we've been trying to work on, um, uh, the motion. I know a lot of people know what the motion offense is. We, we try to do this. thought it was a simple, uh, pra- uh, simple play that they could pick up on. Well, while I was talking, you know, we're struggling a little bit. So while I was talking and trying to explain this to him, I had one kid just keep cutting me off. And he just kept getting up, kept getting up from his seat. Uh, go smack a kid, um, you know, make a fart noise, whatever. I mean, he was just doing anything just to get kids to laugh and all that. So I told him to sit down. Another parent told him to sit down. Uh, the assistant coach told him to sit down. Then my wife, she said, hey, I think they said sit down. You know what happened? The kid sat down. You know, later that day, my wife and I were talking about it. You know, she said that the assistant coach uh, went up to her afterwards and he said, it's always the moms that know how to get them in line. And while she said that, I was just sitting there pondering on on what she said. and And I was just like, man, that's sad. That is sad because he should understand the voice of a father. He should understand the voice of a man. And made me wonder that, is his father in the atmosphere at home? Is his father there taking his rightful place as a man of the house and not just a male of the house? It should be us as men to set the atmosphere wherever we go. So in that way, our family, our children know how they should go. Wherever we go, no matter if it's at home, if it's at church, if it's in the public, at the mall, or even when we're at work. If we set the atmosphere first, then we can get our our, our wives, the mothers together, and then we can parent as one. We as men should not let our wives or baby mothers, whatever your situation is, take control. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with us. You know, we as men, as kingdom men, need to prepare our wives and our children spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and we have to love them unconditionally. We have to realize that the devil doesn't want marriages to last. Why? Because if he can ruin the family structure that God has put together, then he ruins the reflection of God. He ruins the reflection that we have, which is the Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They work in one one spirit and that's what we have as a family as a married uh, a married 
couple. We have our own trinity. We have the husband, the wife, and then we have God. And I'm going to say that again. We have God, the husband, and then the wife. And if we can get on one accord, we can get in one spirit, we are the reflection of that trinity. And that trinity moves, breathes, and does everything. It speaks life. It speaks things into existence. And that's what God wants from us. We talked about the power of one. If we can get that mindset, if we can prepare our families to this mindset, we can have that power, that same authority. But we have to understand that the devil attacks that to ruin that. And the devil only attacks things he's afraid of, things he wants for himself, or things he can't even have for himself. So right now on tonight, I want you to tell that devil that he cannot have your marriage. He cannot have your kids. He cannot have your household and that we are going to have power. We're going to have power. We do have power, not even going to. We do have power. We are the head and not the tail. In Genesis, it says that that our offspring will bruise his head, will bruise his head, and he will bruise our heels. So that lets us know that he's under our feet. We just have to be the power of one. Before I let you go on tonight, just have some questions for you. Just something that I want you to ponder on. What are we as kingdom men doing to keep God's image alive? Keep God's image alive in our families, in our communities, in our cities, in our nation. What are you doing to oversee your wife's spiritual change and development? In the world, at my job, I'll say it that way, at my job, they have different programs, different things put in place to continue to change the culture and to develop their employees. Why? Because the more that they fall in love with the culture, they get a buy-in And the more that they can develop their skills, the more successful the company will be. We have to have that same mindset when it comes to our families. We have to create that culture that our wives fall in love with. Mm. That hit me. We have to create that culture that our wives fall in love with. And we have to develop them. So then that way, we as a family can be successful. So 
we can develop one of one another to reach the divine purpose that we have that God has for us individually and as one body and one spirit what are some practical ways you can serve your wife and your children how can your family benefit from you when you are following God following Christ following the Holy Spirit following the word Lord Father God I come to you on tonight just thanking you for the word that you have just placed on my heart. Lord Father God, I believe you put it there so it could penetrate me personally. So then that way I can get better in my marriage. And so that I can be better as a father. And Lord Father God, that it could also be impactful. It can be inspiring. It can be empowering. For the men that listen to this podcast. Lord Father God. I just thank you for just allowing us the ability to be a reflection of you. So Father God if we are not a perfect reflection of you. Father God forgive us right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Forgive us right now. And Father God show us the way. Be a lamp over our feet to lead and guide us to where we should go. Lead and guide us to make the decisions we need to make. Lead and guide us to be that threefold ministry, the pastor, the priest, and the prophet. Lord, Father God, we thank you for everything that you're doing. And Lord, Father God, I hope That this message on tonight touches men all around the nation, all around the world. So then that way their marriage, their successful marriage can create a successful kingdom. You can do it all on your own. But Father God, I believe that you want us to do it. You put that responsibility on us because you made us. In your image. In your likeness. And I thank you. I praise you. I magnify you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.